Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Patricia. For those of you who do not know me, I am the kids and creative arts pastor here at Radiant Life. I am also from New England, so I will be rooting for the Patriots tonight. All right, Abe. Uh, and now I realize that there are some of you who will not listen to another word that I say, but that is okay. We are a church that loves one another and forgives one another uh, and is learning to be real with one another. And speaking of real, we have been in a teaching series titled Getting Naked, a series where we have heard real stories from real people about real things that often make us run and hide. And in a sense, we have been challenged to both explore and expose the things in our own lives that make us want to run and make us want to hide. Now, if you're new here or if you've missed a couple of weeks, let me catch you up on this whole getting naked stuff. The first and second weeks, we talked about shame and doubt and how Jesus is greater than both. And then we talked about the real and raw reality that sometimes relationships are messy, but that Jesus meets us in the mess. And then last week, Brandon Kinsey shared a little bit about addiction, but how God relentlessly pursues us no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, and no matter what we're going through in the moment. And I'm really excited to be able to bookend this series with you because I think all the things that we have talked about over the past few weeks are rooted, often rooted, in what we are going to talk about this morning. Uh, but before I get there, I need my volunteer to come up here and help me. Where are you, Ryan? There you are. Can we give Ryan a hand as he comes down? <clears throat> oh, look at you. Okay, Ryan, so he, he has no idea what he's going to do, um, other than the fact that he doesn't have to talk. Um, so here's the deal, Ryan. I have this thing, um, and I've got a jar. It's a jar, okay? And what's going to happen is I'm going to take the cover off, okay? But I'm going to leave the sheet on, and I need you to reach up under the sheet and reach in the jar and take out what is in the jar, okay? <laughs> uh, but here's the thing. When I take the cover off, I need you to be, like, quick about going in because you never know what happens when you take the cover off a jar. Also, when you reach in, can you not, like, squeeze what's in there because it won't be good for what's in there or for you? Okay? Are you ready? Under the blanket. That's right. That's right. You trust me, right? Don't squeeze too hard. Don't squeeze too hard. Got it? Are you ready? Okay. No peeking. Okay. <laughs> you were really committed. I there was. you go. <laughs> Can we get Ryan a hand? Um, <laughs> so first service, I had Abe Perez come up and help me. And he was terrified. He did not want to do it. He was like, don't make me do it. I'm not going to do it. So it took us a while to get the tarantula out of the jar. But this is not real. In fact, it's got wheels on the bottom. And it has this, um, there's a remote control that goes with it so it like will move around. And that's how I spent my Saturday night. Uh, <laughs> but that tarantula is not real. But fears are. I mean, some of you right now, your toes are still curling because you are terrified of spiders or tarantulas. And if I were to keep talking and if I were to start climbing this ladder, ooh, it's a little shaky. Some of you are, are getting a little bit tingly because you are afraid of heights. Or as, some, as often as you know, Josh was saying this week, it's not so often the fear of heights as it is the fear of falling. 
which is why I'm going to get down now because <laughs> that's a little bit scary. But fears are real, and fears have the power and the capability to change us physically and emotionally and spiritually. But the thing about fears so often is that they're rooted in false realities. Uh, in a sense, they are rooted in things as fake and as unreal as this tarantula. Would you not agree? Fears are real. And they're often rooted in false things. Now, I'm not saying that all fears are wrong. In fact, I think it's wise that when you look at a pond full of alligators, you think to yourself, okay, I'm a little bit fearful right now and I'm not going to get in there because they are going to eat me. I just think that's wisdom. But not all fear is bad, and we'll get to some of that later. But we all have those fears. Those fears that change the way that we live. Those fears that hinder our relationship with one another and with Christ. And I, I took a poll I, over the past few weeks. I've asked people, what are your greatest fears? Like, what would they be? And I did have some people tell me spiders, so I apologize to you, Abe. Um, and some said snakes, and some said heights. Somebody even said children. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to ask you to help in the back. Um, others said the dark, or they were afraid of flying, or of getting lost. We all have those fears. My fears? I am deathly afraid of needles. I do not like going to the doctors. I do not like going to the dentist, because needles are there, and they will get you. I also am afraid, I don't know if they're, like, what the name is, but like the water drains and the sidewalks, you know what I'm talking about? Do they have a name? They're scary, yeah, <laughs> scary. Uh, I cannot walk over them. Like, part of me feels like the vent part is going to disintegrate and I'm going to fall in and die. Like, that is, I know it's irrational, but we all have those silly, irrational fears. But when I, those people that I polled, when I asked them to go a little bit deeper, they started to say things like, you know, Patricia, I am just afraid of failing. I am afraid of the things that I can't do. I'm afraid that if I try this, I'm going to fail. I'm afraid of my own limitations. Other people said, I'm afraid of time. Like, my whole life is scheduled by the clock because I'm afraid that I'm just never going to have enough time to get everything done that I need to get done. And in a sense, you're afraid that the clock is going to run out and you're still going to be running to catch up with it. Others said, you know, I, I'm just afraid of the unknown. I am afraid of things that I just don't have control over. Because we like to have plans. We like to have control over things. But with the unknown, we can't have control. And somebody even said, you know, I'm raising my girls up in the church. I'm raising them to love Jesus. But it doesn't mean that when they get to high school or when they graduate and go off to college or when they get married that they're still going to love him. And many of you have kids in the back right now that that is your prayer, that they would grow up to love Jesus. But ultimately, in the, at the end of the day, you don't have control over that. And that scares you. And I combined these two together because some people said, you know, I'm just afraid of people. I'm afraid of crowds. And other people said, you know, I'm just afraid of being alone the rest of my life. And then some people said, you know, I'm just afraid that I'm never going to belong that there's always these rules and regulations and expectations, and I know who I am, and I know where I've been, and I just know that I'm never going to reach that mark. And that scares some of you. But the one that was the most common among about the 20 people that I polled was that they were afraid of the past. 
I don't like that. Let's not talk about it. Let's not go there. Because I have done all of these different things and I've been to all of these different places and I'm afraid that I'm going to go back to those places and I'm going to be who I used to be. And then there are other people who are like, well, you don't know what happened to me in my past and I'm not going to do this and I'm not going to do this because this might happen again. We all have those fears because fears are real. But so often, fears kind of make us cross our arms and hide away because we don't want to talk about them because fears scare us. But what are your fears rooted in? And who are your fears rooted in? What are your fears rooted in? And who are your fears rooted in? We began this series in Genesis, and so I think it's only fitting that that is where we end. So we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 3, and it's a pretty good chunk, but I think that it is important. So we're going to read this. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say? Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were what? Naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, The woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me. And I ate. It all began in the garden. In one of the safest and holiest of places. Adam and Eve let the enemy play tricks with their mind. And then they began to question all that they were and all that they wanted. And that's when doubt crept in. Did God really say And then shame, when they realized that they were both naked and we can't have that, so they covered up. And then relationships got messy. They got messy when Eve ate the fruit and Adam didn't protect and neither took responsibility. That's also where the first seed of addiction began. With just that thought process of, I'll just have one bite. I mean, what difference could that really make? And fear began in the garden, too. 
Fear began when Adam and Eve were afraid that they didn't have everything. And again, when they hid from the presence of God. You see, fears affect the way that we live. They affect the choices that we make. They affect our relationships with each other and with God. And I think God knew this. I think that's why over and over again we read in Scripture, God saying, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, fear not, fear not. But so often, we allow fear to deplete because that's what fear often does. Fear, to deplete means to use up, to empty, to diminish the number and to lessen. And I realize lessen is spelt wrong. My apologies. But fear often depletes. It depletes what God can do through you. Now, don't hear me wrong. I think that God can use us despite our fears. I'm up here. So that's testimony that God can use us despite our fears. And I believe that God's will will be done, whether it's through you or whether it's through me. But imagine what God could do if you didn't let fear lessen or deplete who you were and what you could do for his glory. Fear depletes what God can do through you. Don't let it. Fear also depletes what you bring to others. Within this teaching series about getting naked, we've, we've said a lot that we need each other. We need community. Jesus was all about community, and he called us to community. We are to build one another up. We are to hold each other accountable. But so often, because of fear, we excuse ourselves from the table because we've convinced ourselves that we don't have the right dish to bring. But you have to trust who God created you to be. You cannot allow fear to deplete who you are and what you bring to others. Fear depletes what you bring to others. Don't let it. Now, yes, fear depletes, but be encouraged. Faith defeats. Say that. Faith defeats. Defeat means to win victory in a battle, to overcome or beat. I think that's pretty self-explanatory. When you allow fate to defeat fear, Brandon Kinsey used this word last week, but it's liberating. It's liberating when you can live outside of your fears. I mean, Scripture is full of people who decided to trust God and live outside of their fears. Take Noah, for instance. All right, Noah, I want you to build a big boat. I'm talking about a big boat. And then I want you to get animals two by two. So I want you to get two lions and two elephants and two tarantulas. And I want you to tell the people that it's going to rain and it's going to flood because there's a lot of sin in the world. God, I don't, I don't think I can do that. Noah, trust me. Do not be afraid. Abraham, I'm going to make you the father of many nations. God, I don't even have a son. Well, Abraham and Sarah, you are going to conceive and you're going to have a son. God, do you know how old we are? Do you know that we are so far gone? No, you're not. Trust me. Do not be afraid. Moses, Moses, I'm going to call you to go back to Egypt and you're going to set my people free from slavery. God, do you know that if I were to go back to Egypt, they're going to kill me? Trust me, Moses. God, do you know that I'm not the greatest public speaker in the world? Trust me, Moses. Do not be afraid. 
God, do you see that all these people are, are making fun of me for my faith because I pray to you? Daniel, you just have to trust me. Uh, yeah, God, about that. They just threw me in a den full of lions. Trust me. Do not be afraid. Mary, you are going to carry my son, the greatest redeemer of all, the one who is going to redeem all shame, all doubt, all messy relationships, and all addiction. How is that possible, God? Mary, trust me. Do not be afraid. Now, they weren't perfect people. They were messy too. They didn't always get it right. But they had to choose to let their faith in God root deeper than any fear. They had to let their faith in God root deeper than any fear. Now, I said earlier that fear isn't all that bad, and I stand by that, because there are two definitions of fear. The first is this, a distressing emotion aroused by impending danger, evil, tarantulas, pain, etc., whether the threat, catch this, is real or imagined. Fear is the feeling or condition of being afraid. I was reading this article that a man by the name of uh, Don Goway wrote, and he had done a study on fear and on people who worried, and uh, he wrote this, and it was in the Huffington Post. This was the outcome of his study. He wrote, it turns out that 85% of what subjects worried about never happened. And with the 15% that did happen, 79% of subjects discovered either they could hand the difficulty better than they expected, or the difficulty taught them a lesson worth learning. This means, catch this, that 97% of what you worry over is not much more than a fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations and misperceptions. A fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations and misperceptions. Scripture says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. It's no wonder that the enemy plays tricks with our minds, because if he has our mind, he has everything else. Because so often this takes over this. Did you catch that? That was mind-blowing to me because it's so true. If we let the enemy have this, it affects the way that we live. It affects the way that we live. Now, this was mind-blowing to me, and you might be thinking, yeah, that's great, Patricia, but how do we counteract that? Like, how do we live truth into those lies that just never seem to go away? I think that answer is found in the definition of fear number two. This means it's a reverential awe. It's the kind of fear that Moses had when he stood before God and took off his shoes and realized that God was greater than any fear or any weakness that he had. See, there's a difference in those fears. The first fear is the I'm afraid fear. And the second fear is the I'm amazed fear. And there's a huge difference in that. Uh, when I was on internship, I, I still had to write papers and, and read books. And one of the books that I had to read was called Dangerous Calling. And uh, if you're going into the ministry, it's one of those books that would make you question whether or not you want to go into the ministry. Uh, but one of my favorite chapters in this book was on fear. And the author was talking about the two different definitions. 
And he said, he, he was relating it to how we live. He said, so often we live horizontal when we should live vertical. And by that he meant so often we live in this fear number one definition where all of our choices that we make are, the, are made out of the I'm afraid fear. And he was saying we need to more often live in this vertical fear because when you're living in this I'm amazed fear, none of the horizontal fears matter. Uh, we used to joke around the office a lot, okay, are you horizontal living or are you vertical living? But I think it's so true. I think so often we live in these fears and that affects how we live with each other and that affects how we view God. When we should be living vertical fear, where we're amazed that God can still use us despite all of our mess for his glory. Uh, uh, you might be wondering, okay, so that's great, but that still didn't help me. <laughs> all right. Well, scripture says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of what? And, and, let's read that together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So if you are living in that afraid fear, it's probably not of God. It's probably not real. Other versions say instead of sound mind, they say self-control. It re you really do have to step out and say, no, I'm not going to live this way. I'm going to live this way. You, you almost have to repeat to yourself truth over and over and over again. Example, has anybody seen the movie What About Bob? Awesome. I love What About Bob. Uh, Bob uh, is played by Mil Bill Murray, and he, his character is like afraid of everything. He has so many phobias. He's the kind of guy that has a towel with him, and when he opens doors and closes them or goes downstairs, like he has to touch it with the cloth. Like he cannot touch it himself. And he's afraid of elevators. When he goes sailing, he has to be tied in with a rope. Uh, he's just so full of fear. Uh, but there are three lines that he says over and over and over to himself when he would get in that panicky, fearful mode. He would say, I feel good, I feel great, I feel wonderful. I feel good, I feel great, I feel wonderful. Uh, I, I joked earlier about this, but that essentially got uh, my college mates and I through our last year of college. I feel good, I feel great, I feel wonderful. So that's Bob. But what about us? I think that there are three things that we can say over and over and over again to ourselves because it is truth. It is a vertical truth. And that is Jesus saves, Jesus rules, Jesus wins. Yeah, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm just wrapped up in my shame right now and I just can't get out of that. Jesus saves, Jesus rules, Jesus wins. Well, I'm really, I'm just so full of doubt and I just don't think I can do that and I don't believe in that and I don't. Jesus saves Jesus rules, Jesus wins. Our relationship right now is so messy, you don't understand how broken it is. Or I'm so alone that I, I just don't have any relationships. Jesus saves, Jesus rules, Jesus wins. You know, I've been fighting this whole addiction thing for a really long time. And every time I take a step forward, I take two steps back. Jesus saves, Jesus rules, Jesus wins. Well, I live horizontal fear all the time. Jesus saves, Jesus rules, Jesus wins. I know that might seem simple or sound silly, but I have it on my mirror in my bedroom and I have it in my Jeep because I know that I have to counteract any evil and any lie with truth. And that is Jesus saves, Jesus rules, Jesus wins. 
And when you take all the power away from any shame or doubt or messy relationship or addiction, you give it back to Jesus. Because, and this is going to sound so repetitive, but Jesus saves, Jesus rules, Jesus wins every time. We've been in this teaching series on getting naked and being real with one another. And we've heard different stories from different people. And this morning, we are going to hear from Pastor Josh, who is our student ministries pastor, on how he struggled with fear, but how he learned that Jesus saved, Jesus rules, and Jesus continues to win. 